Hey guys, this is Erin from Roadrun Blonde, and I wanted to tell you about a new feature on ACAST that supports its artists. It's the supporter feature. Listeners to Roadrun Blonde can now donate and support the podcast. However, there's no subscription or commitment. You can just give whenever or whatever you'd like. It's completely up to you. Just find the support the show link in the show description on any episode. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay, and it takes less than 30 seconds. You can donate anonymously, or you can add a message that I can see. As a podcaster, everything comes directly out of my pocket. I don't get paid to podcast. It's just my passion. So anything is appreciated to keep the show going. Thank you so much, guys. And now on to the show. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everyone. This is Kit Karen. You might know me as the ghost of the Forgotten News podcast. And yes, I am whispering. But I am not whispering because I am hiding from someone. We're on the run. <laughs> the reason why I am whispering is because I want to tell you a secret. Only a few people know so far. And this is the secret. I am the host of a new podcast which will tell stories of true crime, weird disappearances, strange mysteries, Wild adventures, spooky things, funny things, and also stories that listeners ask me to tell. But these stories will be spoken entirely in whisper, and every story will be 100% true. In fact, the podcast is called Whispered Drew. Stories. <laughs> For many people, hearing a story that is told in whisper makes it much more interesting to hear. And listening to a whispered mystery or a true crime story at night has often been found to be relaxing or even comforting. Listen to me. 
Red Rum Blonde. This is a true crime podcast. Each week, I'll explore a case, the victims, the facts, and the mystery surrounding it. Some are solved, some remain unsolved. I'm your host, Aaron Fleming. Hey guys, welcome to Red Rum Blonde. I'm continuing with the October vibe this month for the episodes, and this one won't disappoint. We'll get to it in just a minute. Are you watching The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix? It's based on the book by Shirley Jackson of the same name, and that story is considered one of the best literary ghost stories ever published. It was adapted once before in 1963, starring Julie Harris, and a really young Russ Tamblin. It is so subtly scary. You never forget those loud banging noises that terrify the main character. My mom was a big fan of Shirley Jackson's writing, and I remember reading all of her stories at an early age. If you haven't read her, go find something. My favorite is The Lottery, and that is one story that will stick with you forever. This adaptation on Netflix is super creepy. I'm not normally creeped out by things, and this has me creeped out. There are so many creepy characters, like the floating guy, the bent neck lady. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you have to watch it. It is so perfect for Halloween. And this is a really funny side note. I was watching the first episode. I was getting really creeped out. The dog barked because he heard the mailman, which scared the shit out of me, and then opened the door and proceeded to, in turn, scare the shit out of the mailman who was still standing there. I feel bad for that guy. So like I said, I totally love this month because of all the Halloween-type shows. Also starting is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is set in the same universe as Riverdale. I haven't seen more than a couple episodes of that, but I really like it. So I'm super excited about this one. It stars Karen and Shipka, who was Sally from Mad Men. She is such a great actress for someone her age. But anyways, I don't know what this is. It sounds like a Netflix commercial. Let's talk about podcasts. I want to wish a very happy birthday to Jessica from the Asian Madness podcast. And she also just recently had her podcast anniversary of one year. I'm a huge fan of her show. I listen to it all the time. And I'm a huge fan of Jessica as a person. She is a total sweetheart. It's really funny. Most of the true crime podcast hosts are some of the sweetest people you could ever encounter. So go listen to her podcast, Asian Madness Podcast, and you will be hooked. And as always, if you enjoy this podcast, please join the Red Rum Blonde Facebook group. This week, we got quite a few new members, and I want to welcome them. Crystal, Maddie, Sasha, Emily, Brad, Jen, 
Amanda, Tanya, and Dee Dee. Thank you so much for joining, guys. Super, super big thanks to Roseanne from California Dreaming for mentioning the podcast on her group's podcast page. Thank you to Lori for mentioning me on Twitter. And my friend Amy. Check out Amy's Traveling Vineyard. It's at Unwind with Amy. And get your wine from her. She does these really great wine parties if you're in the Pittsburgh area. I mean, there's nothing better than wine, right? You can also find her at TravelingVineyard.com. You can find Red Rum Blonde on Twitter, too, at Blonde Red Rum. And I'm also on Instagram. Now, let's get into the show. In the tradition of last week's episode, I want to continue in that scary October vibe. When I was little, I remember being so terrified by a movie called When a Stranger Calls. So the plot is this, a babysitter is watching two kids and she keeps getting these menacing sounding phone calls from an anonymous person and they keep telling her to check on the children upstairs. Finally, she calls police and they call her back saying they've traced the phone calls and they're coming from inside the house. I won't spoil the rest for you. And this movie is based on an urban legend. But did you know that urban legend was based on a true story? In 1950, a 13-year-old girl was babysitting a 3-year-old boy in Columbia, Missouri. And sometime after putting him to bed, she made a phone call to police pleading, come quick. However, police weren't able to trace the call back to her home. The parents eventually returned home to find the babysitter dead. She'd been raped and strangled. This week, I'll talk about the murder of Janet Christman. Trigger warning, I will be discussing the subject of rape. And for research, I want you to know I used an article in the Columbia Tribune by T.J. Greeny and a really kick-ass article on truecrimesarticles.com. The night of March 18, 1950, there was an 8th grade party going on, but 13-year-old Janet Christman would not be attending. She'd agreed to babysit that night instead. She needed money to make a payment on a suit she was buying for Easter Sunday. She'd agreed to watch Gregory, the 3-year-old son of Mr. and Mrs. Ed Romack. Janet was born on March 21, 1936, to Charles and Lula Christman. That family had five children, with Janet being the oldest one. The family moved from Boonville to Columbia, Missouri, which was a Midwestern college town. The city is right near the Ozark Mountains, where they begin to form into plains. And in 1950, the population was around 31,000. Janet's parents ran a place called Ernie's Cafe and Steakhouse, and the family lived in an apartment above that. Janet attended Jefferson Junior High School, where she was just your typical 8th grade student. She particularly loved playing piano in the church choir. Janet was described as an independent girl who made money for the things she wanted by babysitting. And I kind of feel like babysitting has become something of a lost art, Not to sound like I'm a millionaire's old, but 
things are a lot different today than they used to be. I mean, kids used to be a lot more independent and babysitters were commonly used. I mean, hell, I babysat for my cousins and I was only around 11 or 12. A lot of young girls would watch younger kids while the parents went out for the night. And the parents would pay her when they came home something like 20 bucks or less and then they would ride her home or she would just walk. I don't feel like babysitters are used much now. People are much more wary of who they let watch their children. And if they do find someone, it's usually someone older or someone in their family. Like grandparents are being utilized a lot more than ever for these tasks. And Janet babysat for two different families, the Romax and the Mueller's. And this night it was the Romax. Their home sat on a hill on Stewart Road, which was just outside of Columbia. It was a rainy night with the temperatures dipping down into the 20s. Janet got to their home around 7.30 p.m. The couple were invited out to a friend's house to play some cards. Ann Romack was eight months pregnant, so with a baby on the way, they figured they should get out for the night while they could. Their toddler was upstairs already asleep. He liked to sleep with the sounds of the radio on. So this would be a very easy night of babysitting for her. Ed Romack apparently showed Janet how to load and fire his shotgun just in case anything would go awry. He instructed her to turn on the porch light should anyone knock on the door. And little did he know things would go wrong and that gun would be of no use. Around 10.35 p.m., a call came into the Boone County Sheriff's Department. Officer Ray McCallum picked up the receiver to hear the words, Come quick! before the line went dead. The voice on the other end was a female who was in some obvious danger. She sounded extremely panicked and frightened. I mean, something was horribly wrong. But the call was so short it could not be traced back to any kind of residence. So he had no idea who made the call or what this emergency was. The calls sent chills down his spine. Ann Romack had called home to check on Gregory, but Janet never picked up. And I'm sure she felt that slight panic when you can't get a hold of someone who's watching your child. However, she knew it was late, and she just assumed Janet had fallen asleep on the couch. I mean, if anything was wrong, she would have called the Mueller's house where they were having their card game. Around 1.30 a.m., the Romax returned home. They noticed the porch light had been turned on, but the front window blinds were not drawn. You could see right into the house. And upon trying to unlock the front door, Ed was very alarmed to find it already unlocked. For a moment, he was angry. He'd instructed Janet to keep the door locked. Even though they were on the outskirts of town, you could never be too sure. Upon entering the home, the couple was met with a ghastly sight. Janet was dead on the living room floor. She was in a pool of blood which was emanating from her head wound. Her legs were forced open. There were puncture wounds all over her from what would later be found to come from a mechanical pencil. A cord from an electric iron was wrapped tightly around her neck and nearby lay the phone which she tried to use to get help. Anne's thoughts instantly went to three-year-old Gregory upstairs. 
she flew up those stairs and somehow found that he was still safe, having slept through the whole ordeal. Of course, she was beyond relieved to find him well. And that feeling was fleeting, though. She now had to deal with that disaster downstairs. Their young babysitter had been brutally murdered. Ed called the police and Sheriff Glenn Powell arrived. But also on the scene was Lieutenant Joe Douglas from the city police. And a fight over jurisdiction soon arose. Kind of the very last thing that was needed at that moment. Despite who was in charge, the facts were very clear. There was a dead 13-year-old girl on the living room floor. Upon closer inspection, they found the back door had been unlocked and was slightly ajar. And a side window was broken open with a garden hoe. And there were large footprints in the dirt below it. Janet had fought with her attacker. There was evidence of a struggle starting from the kitchen all the way to the living room. Blood was smeared along the walls. Her face had been raked by someone's fingernails. Her cause of death was determined to be asphyxiation from the cord wrapped around her neck. Bloodhounds were brought in and they traced a scent to the corner of West Boulevard and West Ash Street where they unfortunately lost. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The scent. As I mentioned before, there was a lot of tension between the city and the sheriff's department. So they were not working in conjunction with each other, leading to the case to become very muddled. There had been several other fights over jurisdiction in the area and other cases. And on this case, there were many clashes. One was they couldn't even decide how the perpetrator entered the home. Ed had instructed her to turn the porch light on should anyone knock. And that light was on when the couple came home. So the prevailing theory was that she knew her attacker. The gun was also right by the door, untouched. Stakeout of the house and neighborhood were held in the hopes that the attacker may return to the scene of the crime. One patrolman had to sit at the home from 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. 
for 12 nights in a row. And that patrolman remembers being outside the city limits and feeling like he had no place there, which he probably didn't. The city were working 12-hour shifts in the hope of catching the killer. Police Chief Ian Pond changed the emergency call number to 112 just in case another murder occurred. Even regular people were out on patrol trying to catch the killer. Pretty soon, suspicion fell on one man as the prime suspect. Family friend of the Romax, 27-year-old Robert Mueller. Anne had admitted that he ran his hand across her backside and tried to grope her breast a few days before the murder. She, of course, kept this knowledge from her husband so he wouldn't lose his mind. She described Mueller as a man who doesn't use words, he uses his hands. Ed admitted that Robert had once mentioned to him that he likes Janet's well-developed form. Pretty gross. Remember, she was only 13. So he was definitely a pervert, but was he a killer and a rapist? Their backstory was that Mueller and Ed had met in high school and became friends. Robert then joined the army and he served in World War II. Later when the men reconnected, they grew a lot closer and they spent a lot of time together. The day of the murder, Robert tried to get Janet to babysit for him and his wife, but she had already agreed to sit for the Romax and said she couldn't. Apparently a few hours into the get-together, Robert left saying he had to meet a doctor who was going to look at his son. Two hours later, he returned. Interesting fact, the doctor was questioned and he never saw Robert Mueller that night. Another really odd fact, Robert had called Ed the morning after Janet was killed and he asked Ed if he needed any help cleaning up the blood in the house. That's kind of suspicious. But as the article pointed out, the crime hadn't been made public knowledge at this point. Then later on, Robert told Ed his theory about how he thought the crime went down. He said the window being broken would have been too loud. He said he would have went to the door and simply knocked, saying to Janet, Ed sent me here to get poker chips. He also told him he might have done it and not remembered. Robert Mueller apparently liked to always carry a mechanical pencil was one of the traits that people always recalled about him. And if you remember, a mechanical pencil was what was used to cause the wounds on Janet's head. I would certainly be looking at him if I were in charge of this investigation. And then apparently four years earlier in Columbia, another similar murder took place. On February 5th of 1946, 20-year-old Mary Lou Jenkins was murdered. She was at home less than a mile from where the Romax lived. Her dad was out of town, and her mom was taking care of an elderly couple just a few houses away. So they had a plan to alert each other if anything went wrong. Turn on a light, lift up the shades, and call for help. So during the night, Mary Lou's mother noticed that the light was on in the house and the shades were up. But Mary Lou never called, so she assumed everything was all right. But when she entered the home the next morning after caring for the couple all night, she found her daughter dead. She'd been raped and strangled with an extension cord. Police arrested a man named Floyd Cochran, 
The 35-year-old had admitted to killing his wife just a few days earlier, and afterward he tried to kill himself but failed. But this took a 10-hour interrogation for him to confess to the crime of killing Mary Lou. He was found guilty and sentenced to die in the gas chamber. Before his death, he recanted his confession. And there was no evidence linking him to the crime in any way. There were a string of sexual assaults starting in 1949 in the area. A 16-year-old was babysitting on East Sunset Lane when a man wearing a white homemade mask broke into the home and he raped her. A month later, on November 29, 1949, 18-year-old Sally Johnson was attacked. She was at home alone when someone entered the home and attempted to rape her. And she fought, causing the man to leave. And it wasn't even a day before the next attack. This one is especially creepy, almost Zodiac-like. A couple were on a date at the local Lover's Lane, a place called Hinkson Creek. And while they were sitting in the car making out, a man wearing a white hood approached them, pointing a gun. He forced them both out of the car, and he made the boy lie down, robbing him. The girl did not get away so easy. He raped her before fleeing the scene. Then on December 4th, a peeping Tom was arrested. 26-year-old Jake Bradford was caught after peeping inside a woman's window. He admitted to the attempted rape of Sally Johnson and the rape of the 16-year-old babysitter after some hardcore questioning. But once again, it's hard to know if he was really the perp or if he was coerced into confessing. I say this because of the similarities on the attack of Janet being so similar to the one on Mary Lou Jenkins. This all kind of makes it seem like someone was a serial rapist, right? So what happened with the prime suspect, Robert Mueller? In May of 1950, police got all their evidence together against him. And what they did was they went to his home, but they did not arrest him and take him into custody. Instead, they took him to a farmhouse belonging to Deputy Sheriff Julius Wiedemeyer. This was outside city limits. And there they interrogated him late into the night. The next day, they gave him a lie detector test in Jefferson City, which he passed. And the prosecuting attorney was never told about any of this because of the shady ties between the police chief and Sheriff Powell. So not only did they not process the whole situation correctly, they let him go because he passed the lie detector test. At that time, people put a lot of faith into these tests. I mean, now we know they're not so reliable. Because they didn't properly interrogate him, he was never charged, and eventually tried to sue the police department. In fact, a judge ordered a grand jury to look into the whole matter. They said the police and sheriff's departments should have worked together on this case. I mean, they blew it. Mueller ended up leaving the state, he lived out his life, and he passed away in 2006 at the age of 83. There was a ton of evidence pointing to him, and the case was completely bungled. The Romax moved to another state, too. Anne died in the 80s, and Ed remarried. Little Gregory grew up, and he moved to Alaska. As for the Crispins, they stayed in Columbia. Janet's dad died in 1974, 
and her mother moved to Kansas City, eventually passing away in 2009. The case was never solved, but it was never forgotten. Her fellow classmates still recall the days after the murder vividly. Carol Haley Holt was one of her classmates. The two were friends and got together a lot. Carol would sing while Janet played piano. The day after the murder, the principal of the school pulled her out of class. He pulled all of Janet's belongings from her locker, and he made Carol take them to Janet's parents. She said this was one of the hardest things she's ever had to do. She couldn't hardly speak to her mother, Carol, thought of her friend often throughout the years. She wondered if she suffered much and how anyone could do such an awful thing to such a nice girl. And that is something you wonder. Not that anyone ever deserves to be raped and murdered, but it's especially awful when it's an innocent young girl. I always think of the life they'll never have. They'll never get married or have kids of their own if they wanted. They'll never have a career, get to travel. To be cut down before you even hit the prime of your life is so sad to me. I mean, think of all the things that you've done since you were 13. And those are all the things Janet never got to do. For me, that always puts it into perspective. My kid just turned 14 not too long ago, and I still think of what a kid he is. He's in no way close to being an adult. I was especially impressed with how responsible Janet Christman was for her age. I mean, think about it. Working to earn money to pay off a suit for Easter. I mean, how many kids do you know who would do something like that? Who knows what she could have done with her whole life? That was the murder of Janet Christman. You know, not quite as nail-biting as When a Stranger Calls or the movie Halloween, which I'm sure this case influenced. But it's awful, to say the least. I mean, this is definitely one that sticks with you. I have a pretty good one planned for next week, also keeping in the Halloween vein. But, you know, I'm kind of slow getting the episodes out, so it may post after Halloween. Thanks, guys, for listening, and catch you next week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm, HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 